Assalamu alaikum everyone. I hope that every single person listening to this is in a good state of mind and heart and iman and y'all are doing great and everything's going amazing for you. So this episode is a really, really big one. It's an icky topic. It's something that I was, I don't want to say I was avoiding talking about it. It was just, I was just kind of waiting till I guess I could say I was ready to talk about this. Because this is a very, 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 very big topic. And now, alhamdulillah, as, you know, my podcast, alhamdulillah, it's gotten out to more people. I have received quite a few DMs in regards to this topic. So I think now is the best time. Now or never, you know what I mean? So I think it's very evident that we start off by talking about the Islamic way that we go about marriage. If I had a dollar for every single time someone told me that the Islamic way was bad or that they could not get to know someone properly if we're doing the Islamic way, or if I just had a dollar for every single time someone had a fault in the Islamic way of getting to know someone for marriage, I would be filthy rich. Without a shadow of a doubt, no one has anything on me, I'd be that rich. If I, if the amount of times I've seen that, heard that, read that all over TikTok, that's all we hear. I always hear teens complaining about how bad the Islamic way is. And let me tell you something. Growing up, this is something that we all hear. We all hear that, oh, you know, the, the way that we go about it in Islam, it's the worst way. I heard that too. And at one point I was like, shoot, they might be right. But as you grow older and as you really start to look at the wisdom behind it, you'll realize that Islam is protecting you from heartbreak. And... I'll get into why. And I know that automatically there's some girls in their head and they're thinking, well, I got married to a man and he came out to be something that I didn't even thought he'd be. I'll get to that too. Just wait. So traditionally, if we're talking about the iconic, perfect standard, the way that we go about this in Islam is, you know, you stay halal, stay away from any guys, don't do none of that. Let's say it's time for you to get married, you know, you're 20, 21, whatever. You see someone you like. And the way that you figure out if they're even of your interest is what they have already displayed on the outside. Now, this is this is going to start controversy. Just listen. I'm not talking about appearance. I'm talking about what they have already set out about themselves. What do they do? What are their interests? What are they studying? Like just their basic roundabout on life. You kind of have an investment in that. Let's say you like the stuff that they're invested in. Let's say this person's a Hafiz and you are really into Hafiz. You like the people that are very close on their deen, that are very close to Allah. You are invested in that. So that might be a quality that pulls you. So, you know, small, small qualities like that, that might pull you towards someone. That is what is visible already on the outside. So let's say you are pleased with the qualities that you see. You see that this person is really righteous. What do you do? You get a third person involved. You get someone to talk to that person, figure out your info. Um, ideally, probably a parent. I know that that might be a big move. So what some people do is that they kind of to like tell a friend, you know, if there's a mutual in between to kind of like go dig up some info, figure out if this person's even looking for marriage. And, you know, it's just kind of like a train of kind of getting info through mutual people till you figure out that, okay, this person's looking for marriage. This person kind of has the same moral values that I do. So I'm going to tell my parents. You tell your parents, their parents get involved. Your parents are obligated to talk to them to see, to, you know, do their little fair share of digging and see what the family's like. Ideally, if that person's invested as well and they're looking for marriage and you are what they want, then, you know, then the process moves forward. The parents talk. You know, get your nikah done, get to know each other better in the company of your parents, ask whatever questions you want. And that's really what happens. Now, people, they always say, oh, how am I supposed to ask questions in front of my parents? You know, that's so awkward. How am I supposed to do a mutual? I I like to talk privately and, you know, personal and just go out alone. My question is, what questions are you asking that you just cannot ask in front of your parents? Let's think about that. Because, look, 99.9% of the time, the questions 
that kids struggle to ask in front of their parents is about mental health, emotional well-being, moral views, or how you're going to raise your kids. Now, all those topics are very awkward to talk about in front of your parents and in front of someone that might be a potential spouse. And you're doing it all in front of your parents or all in front of someone mutual. And it's just awkward because you feel like you're not connecting with that person to a good level. But the truth is, if both of you hold righteousness in your mind and you hold iman, you'll know that no matter what happens, these are topics that you need to be discussing. You know, the sad part is, and I'm I'm very passionate about this. If you don't know this already, I was born in Brooklyn, New York, but my family is from Pakistan. So it becomes very difficult because one thing that I really see in the culture, which is very sad, is that, you know, after they see the girl, they see the girl's pretty. They don't care to ask questions. They're like, okay, cool, sure. What's the date? When do you want to get this nikah done? When do you want to fold up, you know, the bag? Let's get it going. And they don't care to ask. They don't They don't find it deemed important for the kids to sit there and ask each other, what are the moral compass views? And if your moral compass views do not align with someone else's, I promise you the marriage is not going to work. So sadly, this actually roots from our elderlies. And I hate to say that. May Allah forgive me. And I respect all of you. But you know, one of the biggest problems that I've seen is that the older generation, they were forced to marry whoever they're with sometimes. Let's be honest. If you're from the Middle East, you know, that's what the culture was like. It was arranged. It was forced. Some of them, some of them ended up working out great. They fell in love. It was wonderful. But some of them are in a really toxic relationship and it's abusive. It's, it sucks. It's horrible. And they complain about it every day. But then they'll put their kids in the same fire. And then they'll get their kids to also be forced to marry someone. They'll also force their kids to go through the same thing. And that's how, you know, family trauma and generational depression and whatnot, all these things develop. So that's something you want to take into account. We have to be very, very wise when doing things like this. So it's kind of sad because, you know, we go based off of physical appearance. Yes, physical attraction is a very big thing. You need to be attracted to someone. You know, let's be honest. Let's not act like it doesn't matter. Now, I made an episode talking about how your physical appearance is not the most important thing about you. And I agree. And I'm still standing by my word. It's not the most important thing. This world has made it seem like that is the all and be all. But let's be honest. You do have to be physically attracted to someone. You do. Let Don't act like there's no reason for us to beat around the bush. You wouldn't go and dig up someone's personal life if you weren't attracted to them. Simple. So, yes, attraction is important. But... But that is not everything and it's kind of sad because among the cultures i've seen that after there's a physical attraction nothing else matters and they're like oh you know perfect couple this will be great let's go forward and i'm 1000 percent against it you know and i'm gonna get straight into the topic one of the really big parts of this episode that i want to talk about is red flags and forced marriages and this is something that we don't talk about enough within our culture within islam within everything you know the scholars they talk about how you need to be doing a halal they don't tell you about the little red flags that people don't tell you you should be focusing on so this is what i'm going to be talking about really in here so i want to start off by saying this from the biggest bottom part of my heart bro this is for my parents if you force your kid to get married to someone without their consent it is haram I repeat, a marriage that is forced is haram. It's unlawful. It wasn't considered right. It wasn't good. There's no consent. Anything else that I need to say? It wasn't right. Simple. There's nothing left for me to say about that. You know, it's so funny because I see among the cultures and I just see everywhere, parents, they always say to their kids, oh, I found this guy. I know better than you know. He's a doctor. He's this and he's making this and he's so righteous and he's this and this, that. And the daughter's like, yo, like, I'm just not invested in him. Maybe I'm not ready yet. Or maybe I like someone else. Like the girl has a reason. She doesn't want to get married. There's something going on. She doesn't feel like she's ready or she's into someone else. She's made her consent evident. She's told everyone that I'm no, like there's no scenario. I don't want to get married to this guy. What do adults do? 
They force it. They say, I know better than you know. I know better than you know. I've been in the situation. You know, I'm an adult. I've seen the world. This is a rare person. I know better than you know. The question comes down to, are you marrying this person or is your child marrying this person? And I say that all the time because the parents, they always tend to feel like their authority runs in the marriage. Their authority runs on who you're going to get married with. And it yes, it matters. Your parents' consent matters. But if your daughter, the one that's going to get married, has said no, then no means no and the discussion ends there. Simple. Easy. Done. End it. And the biggest problem that I've noticed is that sometimes... This goes both ways. Some men will be interested in other girls and some girls will be interested in other men. They won't tell their parents about it and then they'll get forced to marry someone else and then it ruins the whole train. It creates all this trauma, all this depression, all this I don't want to be with you, I never want to marry you. Then the kids grow up hearing that stuff. All of this train goes on. And this is where I'm going to talk about haram relationships. If you are evident honest tell your parents that i like someone i messed up maybe i went in a haram relationship for five months you know i messed up but i like this person i met this person at college i don't know tell your parents as it is that you're trying to make your haram halal and get married to them and shut up stop sitting here hiding it for your own benefit getting with someone else then being forced to marry some innocent random person who will have to deal with your heartbreak for the rest of your life because look if you don't get to marry the person you want evidently you're gonna be heartbroken you're getting forced off to marry someone else. How is your attitude going to be towards this person? You're going to be bitter. You're going to be rude. You're going to be disrespectful. In some cases, abusive. Why should one person have to go through that? Just because you didn't have the confidence enough to speak up and tell your parents when you liked someone on time? That's mind-blowing. That's so haram. I'm sorry, it is. Haram relationships are not going to get you anything in life. I'm telling you as it is. You know, there's certain people that are like, I know, I know he's different. And, you know, like... I just can't work through it. Like, it's really been different. I know he truly loves me and I know it's truly haram and I'm, I'm repenting and I'm praying and I'm doing everything that I can. Girl, when Allah has made his judgment on something being unlawful and you are persistent and chasing in it, what makes you think that the blessings are going to be in it? If God said, don't do it, there won't be any blessings or any condition or anything, any circumstance to make it right for you. Because God knows better. And you know people, they're always like, oh, haram relationships, they're not always bad. I've met someone who's amazing. We, you know, we went out for like three years and then we got married. We have kids. It's perfect. We're living in our dream home. Okay, sure. But the whole point is you went against what God said. There is not a barakah in a relationship that went against God's plan. That went against what God has told you not to do. And you know people, they're always like, don't judge. The love is real. God has made his judgment. Who am I to judge? We are no one to judge. We're just, we're just one to advise. We're just one to pass the word. So when God has made his judgment, mine and your opinion does not matter. I was in this class yesterday. And they said something very beautiful and profound. And the lady, what she said to me was, our job as Muslim women and just Muslims as a whole is when Allah has told us that he likes something, that he wants us to do something, it doesn't matter what jihad we got to go through to come to that point. We got to like it too. So, you know, there's a lot of girls that hate wearing the hijab. They hate it. But Allah has told us that that is what we need to be doing. And that's right. And he likes that. And he likes the people that do that. So what do we have to do? It doesn't matter what journey we got to go on. We got to go fight with ourselves. We got to go on the whole route. 
face our insecurities, face our doubts, and put it on. Because that's what God likes. And when you do what God likes, you're automatically in return going to be happy. Simple. So if you're in a haram relationship, you think that, oh, it's making me happy. You really think that happiness is going to last. You really think that happiness is going to last. Like, come on. Girl, me and you both know. Let's go. Look at me in the eyes. Well, look at me through the screen. Me and you both know. It's not going to last. It's not. It's not. I swear it's not. Your happiness is not going to last. And even if you guys do get married, what's the point? The whole relationship is haram. You did it haram way. Now, I'm saying that to the people that have absolutely no guilt. If you have guilt, you were guilty that you were doing stuff to haram when you made it halal, you repented, you're good. But for the people that have absolutely no guilt in their heart and they're sitting out here and they're promoting it, you are out of your mind. You are out of your mind. If you think that God will be pleased with a marriage that went against his decision that went against i don't want to say decision that went against his judgment there you go that's the right word you're out of your mind if you think god will be pleased with a marriage that went against you going what he said was wrong he made his judgment it's our job to follow now again i do want to clarify if you were in a haram relationship you've repented you know you both are like fixing up on the dean now you're good don't worry but this is for my people that don't even give a crap and have no guilt in their heart you're playing yourself you think that you're hurting anyone else you're not you're hurting yourself so don't even waste your time in a haram relationship. And you know, some girls, they get into relationships with men that aren't even Muslim. You know, the reason why, and I've heard this before too, Muslim women, they always say, why is it that a Muslim man can marry a girl that's not Muslim, but a Muslim woman can only marry a Muslim man? Let me get into that. The reason why is because look at the rights that Allah has given us. The fact that whatever money your husband makes is automatically yours without a shadow of a doubt. The fact that you have to do nothing, really. There's so many rights that Muslim women have that another man from another religion will just not give you. I'm telling you, go, go try, go try. Go to a man right now and tell him, oh, you know, whatever money you make from your paycheck, it's mine. He ain't gonna listen. He might agree. At first, for like the first five months, he'll be like, oh yeah, you know I love you. And he's gonna give you the money. No. After that, he's gonna go insane. Because if there's not a moral, actual, solid reason for him to be doing that, he's not gonna continue doing it. But now in Islam, no matter what happens, the man's money is gonna be the, the wife's money. It's gonna be her money. It's gonna be her kid's money. And no, no one can take that away from her. No one. Because God gave her that right. And if a man's not following that, too bad on him, he's going to be he's gonna be answering God for that one. And then we have meher, which is a beautiful concept. And you know, a lot of females, we make a lot of meher jokes on here. Let's be honest. I, I see it all over TikTok. Girls, so many girls are asking for like a million dollars in meher and a right kidney. Girl, come on. Now, I'm not being a pick me. Listen to me. And I also have a problem with the girls that say, oh, I just want a cat for my meher. A cat's not going to buy you a house when you get divorced. Okay, don't sit there and settle for less. Now, I'm not saying that's for like a bajillion dollars. The method price really depends a lot on the person's circumstance, on his condition, on his wealth. How much is he making? So you need to look into that, right? Because if something happens, something goes loose, you have a protection. And this is from Allah. No one can take away your right on method. No one can take away your right. Let me repeat. No one can take away your right. People are going to tell you that, oh, you know, don't ask for Mehra, just ask for a kitty, ask for a Quran. And you should get a Quran, let me tell you, that's good. But listen, people are going to tell you, oh, you know, just, just, it's okay, just let it go. Just, you know, don't ask, no, 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 shut up, no, go, go ask for your Mehra. And I'm, listen to me, and I'm not trying to sound like a materialistic girl. That's not what I'm saying. And I'm not a money chaser either. Y'all know that, especially if you listen to my episodes, I'm very big on not chasing money, not chasing materialistic stuff. But listen to me. It could be 
any amount of money. It could be. It depends on the person. Listen, you're not going to ask a guy that makes $1 million for $200 in your mehr. That doesn't make sense. And you're not going to ask a guy that makes $200 a month for $1 million in mehr. So it depends on his circumstance. And regarding to his circumstance, you're going to ask for the proper adequate amount. If a guy is making, you know, a lot of money, then you should probably make your mehr a little bit reasonable. And I'm not saying ask for his whole paycheck and his whole salary for the rest of his life that he's in debt trying to pay you mehr. That's not what I'm saying. But don't be that girl that sits there and is like, oh, I just want a cat for my head. You know, cat will be sufficient. Stop. Stop. You're violating your own rights that Allah has given you. Yes, you can ask for whatever you want. And yes, you can ask for a cat. You can ask for a cat all you want. But make sure to ask for what is actually deemed important. Okay? And I know that a lot of men, they're going to listen to this. They're going to hate me. They're, they're not going to like this discussion. Don't get me wrong. It could be a ring. I know some people, they also go for the ring. My point is you need to have some type of protection in case things don't work out simple people are going to be like oh that's such a negative way to think that's so stupid oh what are you why are you having these thoughts it's it's not me allah gave me these rights allah told me i can do this and if god has told me who are you to stand in front of me and tell me that i don't have a right on my own rights you're not going to do that and don't let a man ever do that to you my girls so go go and again be reasonable be very wise about this don't ask for something stupid don't be ridiculous don't be a money digger don't be none of that but don't Allow yourself to get your rights stolen. That's my point. I'm not saying that there should be a set amount of money that you should be asking for. But if someone is telling you, hey, don't take mehr, don't do mehr, or just, just ask for a kitty, don't, just don't do mehr. No, don't listen to them. They're lying. They're trying to oppress you from your own rights. I hope that got through because I spent like six minutes yelling at y'all about that. You need the protection. We all need the protection. Allah is very wise and that's exactly why this was said. Mehr is not a price to buy someone. You know, some men, they're like, oh, million dollars in mehr, I think that should be enough. Or they think that a certain amount of money is how much you can buy the girl with. This is not a matter of buying. This is a matter of protection. This is a matter of both sides being protected. Because in my honest opinion, I'm the type of person that I believe that no amount of money in this world can ever buy a person ever a human being has gone through so much and they're so wise and they have so many complex little holes in them there's so many things within us that a money is just not sufficient enough that's what i'm saying so don't be that girl that sits there and asks for like a million dollars thinking that that's going to be enough and you're selling yourself off you're not selling yourself stop doing that and if you are you're disgusting stop if you think amount of money is enough to get yourself sold you're out of your mind this whole process is not about selling yourself. This process is about protecting yourself. So protect yourself, protect your rights, and protect your future. Back to my original topic, if you're with a man that's not Muslim, you're dating a man that's not Muslim, I'm telling you, it doesn't matter how much he loves you. When this discussion starts, he's not going to be here for it. I'm serious. And if he is rare kind, I get that. But again, you got to remember that Allah's judgment, he said to marry a Muslim man, there is some hidden good in that. You may not see it. This man may be perfect. He might just not believe in Islam. But Islam changes a person changes and i'm telling you if you imply islam in your life you're going to become a 10 times better person god wants good for you so if you're with someone right now that's not a muslim and he doesn't even have any idea of wanting to be muslim like it's not even a sliver of idea he hates the idea of it i'm sorry but i think it's time you let that go because i know easier said than done i know i know i know but you're only gonna oppress your own self you're only gonna oppress your own rights okay okay Next discussion. So, haram relationships. Like I said, avoid it at all costs. I know that some people, they think, oh, if I don't do the haram way, how am I going to find out about somebody? Trust me. If you do the halal way, Allah will find a way for you. Now, I know there's going to be some people, they're going to say, I did it the halal way, and this guy came out to be someone I didn't even thought he'd be. What do I do? Let me tell you about this one. I believe very strongly 
that when someone holds righteousness and proper iman in their heart, one, if he's sitting in your face lying to you about his lifestyle, lying that he's like, you know, this really good holy man and he's not, he's going to answer to Allah for that one. Straight up. Same goes for the girls. But I want to ask you something, and this this is not to attack anyone, but listen. How much did you compromise on in the talking stage? You need to be 80% okay with a person that you're going to marry and have nothing that you want to change about them in your mind before getting married to them. I Oh my God, this is disease, this disease among our culture where it's like a woman can change a man. You know, he doesn't pray five times a day, but don't worry after he gets married to you, he's going to become religious. What? What? If he's not going to be loyal to his creator, what makes you think he's going to be loyal to you? Don't get me wrong now. I want to say this. A woman can change a man. She 1000% can. But that will only happen if a man's willing to change. If he respects and understands the value of a woman. Otherwise, it ain't going to happen. And I'm not saying that a woman are not, is not powerful enough to change. She is. She can change anyone, really. Women are the backbone of a lot of amazing things. But... There are certain men that are legit narcissists. They worship their ego. They're not going to be willing to change. So don't sit there and collect these red flags and, you know, collect them and be like, okay, okay, so this, this, I have to change this after the honeymoon phase. You know, maybe if I make him lasagna, he'll start acting right. I'll start praying five times a day in front of him and that will inspire him to start praying five times a day. Don't get me wrong. There are certain people that struggle with their deen. They want to pray five times a day. They want to, you know, read Quran. They want to become better. They want to dress modest. They genuinely want to, and they're making the effort. That person is okay. Go ahead, go for that person. There's nothing wrong. We're all on different states in our spiritual journey. So there's nothing wrong with someone that might not be completely, you know, following Allah's rules just yet, but they're trying their best. So that person's okay. But if you know someone doesn't even care, he doesn't even care about religion, then no, no, don't don't marry that person at all, at all. Don't sit there thinking that you can change them, make them more religious. If they didn't care about religion before marriage, it's very low chance that they'll care after unless they truly have the intention of wanting to learn and wanting to change and wanting to become better in that situation your future spouse can be very very useful into helping changing your lifestyle but that's only if you want that otherwise it's not going to happen so how much did you compromise on this talking stage you knew that this guy was a little bit narcissist you know that he had a really big ego you know that he was not very loyal yet you sat there and you compromised and you thought to yourself oh you know after i marry him he'll get better after i marry him he'll fix out after I marry him, you know, he'll change. And you know, the sad part is, and I, I hate to say this, I know that I have some people listening that are older. Majority of my whole audience is older than me. I'm serious. My whole audience is older than me. Let me tell you something. And this is very sad. And I hate to say this, but I don't know if I mentioned this earlier. My family, it's from Pakistan. And I was born in Brooklyn, New York. So I grew around Pakistani culture quite a lot. I love my Pakistanis. I love all y'all. Don't get me wrong. But one thing that I always hear is... Oh, God, I hate this phrase of the passion. Shadi ke baad na sudar jayega. Yani, like, I just want to slap you across the face. Like, take my... Mm, oh, my God. I just want to slap you so hard right now. May Allah forgive me. What do you mean? Why do you all say that? And for the people that don't speak Urdu, what that means is after marriage, he'll fix out. After marriage, you know, he'll 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 get his act together. Am I running a daycare center? Is this a bazaar? Am I am I a nanny? What do you mean he'll fix out? What do you mean I gotta fix this? Like, no. 
No, no, no. Like a man will literally be doing drugs, be out on the streets, living this whole thug life, not wanting kids, doesn't care about the dean, is absolutely disrespectful, abuses and hits women. And you guys are like, oh, you know, shadi ke baad na ho jayega. This, what is this? Is this literally, is this a daycare center? Am I a teacher? Is this an institution? Are we raising kids again? It's not our job to fix someone when they are literally abusive. Going through this whole thug life phase, it ain't our job to fix that. It ain't. Let me tell you that. Now, again, I do want to clarify because I know that some people might take my words out of context. If someone is struggling but they want to become a better person, they have the intention, 100% okay, no problem. I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about the person that genuinely does not give a crap and is abusive to women, doesn't have any respect to women, has no respect for the dean. Why? What makes you think that he's just going to fix out? If he doesn't remember his creator, what's going to make you think that he remembers his creation? That he's going to create his creation with respect? No. Behind every man that has changed after marriage was a small intention of wanting to change. Wanting to change. Of wanting to change. Repeat that. There was an intention of a wanting to change. And a wife can be very, very good at that. She can help them. And it's just really vice versa. Even if it was a girl and she's not on her dean. She struggles toward the hijab. She struggles to be righteous. She struggles to pray. A man can help her with that. And that's only if you both want to do that. You know what I'm saying? If I'm praying five times a day in front of someone that doesn't pray... But he wants to learn how to pray. He wants to, you know, get back on his religion. He's going to try his best to come and do it with me. But if a man doesn't even care, he sees me praying five times a day and he's just sitting there on the bed. Nothing's going to make him want to get up and do it with me because he doesn't have the intent. So the intention is necessary. And so that's why asking questions is very, very important because you need to get a little grasp of what this person's moral compass is like. And yes, I agree. There's only so much that we know about someone, but let's not act like we don't know what happens in haram relationships. I know people that have been with someone for like eight, six, ten years, bro. I've seen everything. And I'm talking, they knew this person for decades inside and out. No shadow of a doubt got married. They turned out to be a complete horrible person someone completely different a narcissist and they completely transformed after marriage so let's not act like it doesn't happen in other situations people they try to justify haram relationships saying that i'm just trying to know who i'm getting married to i know people i'm sorry but i know one of my close friends she's not muslim she's with a guy and i'm sorry but there's there's quite a few red flags like there's mm, abuse and a few other things so there's red flags and i told her i'm like girl you think getting married gonna shove these under the rug you're out of your crazy mind she's like i know but i've told him like he not gonna hit me he not gonna put a hand on me i'm like he did it already y'all are dating how many years has it been two three he already did it what's gonna stop him when you get married what's gonna stop him then what's gonna stop when you have kids that's what i'm saying stop thinking that you know you can just change everyone fix everyone if there's no intention it's not gonna happen simple so be careful about that so yes for all my girls that sit there and complain and they're like oh how am i supposed to do the halal way you know i don't even know the dude i know people trust me and i've seen it happen too many times how many times have y'all heard about people that have been dating for like eight years you know high school sweethearts whatever then they got married and like four five six years they divorced and it's just like oh you know he turned to be someone different after he changed like that's how it is. You can know someone for ages, for years. You can know someone for a decade. And they're not going to share with you their worst characteristics until time comes and they decide to let it loose. Simple. Simple. So, honestly, if I were you, I'd rather do it the Islamic way. It protects us all. Because your parents are involved. It gives a sense of accountability. It gives a sense of a third person. It makes it a lot more safer for every single person's heart. Right? 
you express your intention evidently. If you're really righteous, you're on the deen, you fear Allah. If you fear Allah, you will be honest about your intention. Simple as that. You're not going to sit there and make false promises that you know you won't be able to keep. Because you know it's sunnah. You need to take care of your wife. You need to keep your, just both ways, both ways. Your spouse, very important that you're good to them. And if you're careful about your deen, you'll know that that's very important. So, honestly, for every single person that complains about it the Islamic way, I think it's the best way. It protects us all. It protects us all from heartbreak. And the best part is, you're not giving away a part of yourself to someone. This is going to get me some shade. I know I'm going to get canceled for this one. How many times have you all seen people literally, you know, do the nasty and everything before marriage? You know, zinna, adultery, whatever. They've done it all. Get married. Person turns out to be someone they're completely not. Realize that they have no idea about who this person's personality is. Then what? And I, I don't want to talk about this, but let's be honest. Committing adultery and zinna has a lot of psychological effects. When you let someone get that close to you and, you know, do whatever, they automatically, it starts to create a very, very close soul connection. If you don't believe me, go Google it. Go do some digging. Go do your research. Forget religion right now. I'm talking science. It starts to create very, very close bonds instantly because you've let someone in, you know, the most important place. Like, you've really, you know what I mean? You get my point? Like, that's the closest you could get to somebody. Let's say it as it is. So, you, you, what? I don't know how to go about this. I don't want to talk about this. I really didn't. But go Google the psychological effects. Not even Google. Just go do some digging, bro. Ask someone who's done, ask someone who's studied this before. It feels like your soul is still unintentionally attached to that person. And listen, and I want to talk about this also on here. Your V-card is a topic that a lot of people don't want to talk about. And this is for my girls especially. And I'm going to be honest with you, this is an icky topic. And I really don't want to talk about this because the words that we use here are very, very sensitive. But I'm going to say in the most on-surface way possible, if you've ever lost, you know, your card to anyone through adultery, zinna, or if you were married and got a divorce or whatever, you are not useless. Okay? It's so heartbreaking to me. When I see girls and I see people on social media slandering girls saying that, oh, you know, she was married before, she was this before, and now, you know, she's used up. Used up? What is this? What do you mean by used up? You know what's disgusting? Your personality. Your personality is used up if you think that. Your personality is used up by society if you think that. There is so much more to every single human being than that. So much more. And if you're a girl and you're listening to this, and I know some girls that have been through it and they find it very difficult, they find it difficult to find their self-worth, your self-worth is not a, it's not attached to that. It's not. Culture has made it seem like it is. It's not. And the reason why I said what I said earlier is, psychologically, like I said, this is one of the effects. When you give, up, when you give it up to someone in a haram relationship, you're committing zina or adultery, or you do something, you give it up to someone, it can lead to a very, very long list of negative potential side effects that culture tends to bring. Not only does your spiritual well-being kind of feel attached to this person, because that's just how our human body is, and there's nothing wrong with that. Again, there's nothing wrong with that. Culture has the audacity to drag you to the point of no belief. Like, they'll drag you like nobody's business. 
and make it seem like it's your fault. And it's not. And I hope I really came through on this. The reason why I'm saying is that we need to be careful about who we give this all up to is because look at what happens. Seriously, let's not act like we don't know what happens in this culture. People here are ruthless. Like, and it's so sad. In Islamic culture, they've made it seem like, you know, if you're not pure, quote, quote, as they say, you're you're like the worst person. You're used up. You're disgusting. You're unpure. What does that mean? Who are we to make that judgment? And who are we to ever even say that about someone? The only reason I'm telling you guys is to be careful is because scientifically, this can have a lot of impacts on your brain. But when it comes morally and it comes to, you know, taking care of what Islam says about this, Islam does not allow this. It does not. So if you're one of those people that sit there and you shame someone and you shame them and you're like, oh, you're unpure, you're this, you're that, you're disgusting. And you have the most unpure personality I've ever ill, ill, gross, disgusting. Don't be that person. Don't. You know, people they tend to have a lot of big problems with with women that are divorced. And they say, oh, that's disgusting. Why would I want to marry her? Our Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, has married a bunch of people like that. And they were amazing, amazing females, amazing women. So what are you trying to get by that? Are you trying to say that you're better than our prophet, peace be upon him? That you're too pure and you're too amazing and you're too great to marry someone like that? Because that's what you're implying. And the truth is, no human being is better than prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. So when you keep the standard, this confidence that, oh, I'm not going to marry a woman who's not quote, quote, pure. You're implying that you think that you're better. Then Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. And you know, it's funny because whenever you bring up these examples, they're like, yeah, but that was back in the day. No, that wasn't. No, it wasn't. That can still apply today. Yeah, it was back in the day when it comes in terms of time. But that same law can still be applied today. And the problem is we've made this whole belief within our culture that if you're not pure, you're the worst person ever. First of all, I don't even understand what y'all mean by pure. Seriously. Like, why? why is that the term? Someone can still be a pure, good, honest, moral, good person. Even after they lose it. That comes from your inside. Not what you got on the outside. Just something that I wanted to talk about on here. And I really did not intend on talking about this. I'm going through my notes and that was nowhere on here. Let me just tell you all that. That was not on here. But I wanted to talk about that because. Especially and I hate to say this. I hate to say this. I hate to say this. I'm not a person that likes to bash men. But men do that especially. They're like oh I would never do that. I would never do that. Well our prophet Muhammad peace be upon him did that. And he's the best role model. And we should all be trying to become like him. So if you think that you're too high to be doing that. Then you're definitely in, in a manner in my opinion. You are offering some criticism. To our beloved prophet peace be upon him. And we don't do that here. So get off your high horse. Get off of it. Because your attitude in regards to that is disgusting. So I just wanted to mention that on here real quick. So to my girls. And to everyone, really, be careful about who you give this to. Make sure that someone okay. Make sure someone's morally, like someone that you know you're really in love with. Don't sit there in a haram relationship and give it away to anyone just to get their attention. You know what's so sad is in our society, we have this thing called friends with benefits. I don't know if y'all heard about that. That's disgusting. Why? And you know, it's sad because our society has also made it seem like women, they're obligated to give it up to get a man to stay. That's not the case. I'll tell you one thing for a fact. If a man wants to say he'll move a mountain, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, he'll do anything. You tell him I want someone who has a PhD and I don't know, research and this next thing you know, he signed up at a research school, like he'll do it all, okay? So don't, 
don't, don't, don't. And I, I really didn't want to talk about this on you. I really didn't. Because it's just such an uncomfortable topic because that's how society has made it. They've made it an uncomfortable topic. And especially because I'm, I'm really young and I've never been married before. I'm not none of that here. And this is a topic, especially among the Pakistani culture, that if you talk about this, you get dragged. They really, really, really drag you. They call you shameful. They call you horrible, horrible names. But at the same time, I feel like I shouldn't be scared of this stuff because this stuff is like a jihad, bro. You gotta fight against these negative, these disgusting lenses that people have. And it's just, it's a topic that I'm very scared to be on and it's a topic that I, I have a lot to say on, but I'm very scared of talking about it because of how taboo it is in our culture. And I just, I'm sorry about that, guys. It's just, I'm very, very young. So talking about this, you know, people, they instantly jump on you. They instantly are like, oh, what do you know? You're so young. You're so this, you're that. You know, you're not supposed to be talking about this. This is like private matters you know it's not it really isn't and if you're gonna harass people and be rude among cultures about this then no it's not and in islam we promote peace and we promote respect no matter what and this attitude that you have goes completely against it and i'm gonna be honest with you right now i'm like shaking like i'm low-key thinking of deleting this episode and not uploading it simply because of what i've just talked about because i know that there's gonna be people that are, that are gonna jump on me i know but at the same time what makes me better than the cowards that sit there then talk about this stuff you know, right? Like, what makes me better than them? If I'm not speaking up against it, what makes me better than them? And you know, the sad part is a lot of people, they're like, oh, yeah, we need to talk about this topic more. We need to talk about it more. But I'm not going to talk about it because I know I'm going to get dragged. Why? And, you know, I get that and I agree and I see where people come from on that. But we need to step up and talk about this. Because in a manner, you're insulting Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, Sunnah. You're, infected, you're, you're insulting the way that he lived. And if so many of you are claiming to be on your deen, you're claiming to be all religious and I'm you know, the best Muslim ever on the planet, whatever, then you need to open up your brain and realize that what you're doing in this matter is wrong. <sighs> I'm, I'm like, I don't know if I should even upload this anymore, guys. I'm so tempted. I just, but at the same time, you know what? I'm not scared because what makes me better than someone else if I don't talk about this? So just wanted to put that in there. You're worth this far more than those things. Anyway, moving on. So the next thing, oh my god, my brain is spinning. <laughs> my brain is spinning. Okay, the next thing. I talked about collecting red flags. Talked about, you know, what did you compromise on? Talked about not being loyal to your creator and all that, generational trauma and de generational depression. One thing that I did want to give an example on that I kind of mentioned a little bit early and I got sidetracked is, um, you know, when your parents, they force you to get married to someone. They'll tell you that, oh, you know, go get married to this person. Let's say you like someone else. Let's say your daughter. Let's you know what? Let's set up a scenario. Let's say your parents told you to go get married to someone. You didn't want to get married to them because you know you didn't feel ready. You liked someone else. You know you still want to continue your education. Whatever you're busy. You just weren't ready yet. Your parents insist that you are going to get married. Your nikah is done. The wedding halls booked. The wedding invitations are sent out. All of that, been done, gone. Everything's set on plan. Your daughter keeps telling you, I don't want to get married. I don't want to get married. I don't want to get married to him. I don't like him. He's a narcissist. He has this. His moral compass is in line. I want to continue my education. Whatever it may be, I don't want to get married to him. Right? Your daughter has told you that a bajillion times, and this is especially for my parents. Your daughter has told you, or your son has told you a billion times, I don't want to get married. But what do you do? You force them to get married. You force them to go do it. You force them. Oh, go get married. Go get married. Go get married. You're going to get married to this person. People like this are rare. I know. I'm older than you. I know better than you know. Go get married to this person. What's going to happen? There's two situations. There's two ways that my parents can act about this. All right, parents, listen to this. One, you can listen to your kid right now when they're telling you that this is wrong, that they're not legally 
or emotionally okay with this because it is haram. They're not okay with this. You don't want to go forth with this. They're not okay with it. Their consent was no. They said no. So either you can respect that, you can cancel everything, you can respectfully back down and say, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to be doing this marriage no more. My child's not ready. I think I should stop looking. That's what you could do. A, simple, right? Or B, you can fall into what culture tells you. What culture will say, you know, one of the biggest phrases people are always worried about is what are people going to say? Lokya bolenge. I bet if you're Pakistani, you've heard that all the time. Lokya bolenge. You can fall into that. You can think about what people are going to say. You can worry about all of that. Force your daughter to get married. Force your son to get married. Force them to get married. And then two, three months later, your kid's going to come crying home. They're going to come crying home. Depressed, sad, heartbroken, abused, physical abused, emotionally abused. Whatever the situation may be, they're going to come home heartbroken. And that's going to continue on until they get the courage to get a divorce. So which situation would you like more? You know, it's funny because in our culture, divorces, like I said earlier, a big stigma, oh my god, it's the worst thing ever, you're divorced, oh my god, so bad. No. Some people are just not for you, simple. You gotta let it go. God doesn't like divorce, but God said that we can't do it. And God also doesn't like oppression. So if you're being oppressed, you shouldn't stay. But tell me, which one's worse? Respectfully just saying no, cutting it off earlier on? You know, protecting your daughter, protecting her emotion, protecting her feelings, protecting her well-being. Or two, shoving your kids in the face of hell literally getting them with someone they don't want and then having them having their self-esteem having their everything destroyed like think about it and i know that a lot of my audience like i said they're older than me some people are on here and they're 60 plus i'm i'm shocked me and you i bet i bet you're shocked listening to this but i was going through it some people are actually 60 plus some people are in their 30s whatever you are which one is better me and you both know that choice a is better to respect your kid's decision, to listen to when they say they're ready, to help them be with the person they want to be. Because then if not, you're the one that's going to suffer the consequences. You're the one that's going to have to sit there and look at your kid every single day, getting destroyed, getting their self-esteem destroyed. And the question comes down to, are you marrying that person or is your kid marrying them? Your kid is. So if your kid says that they're not ready, don't force them. But just think about that. And another big thing that I want to quickly talk about was standards. You know, us girls, we have set standards. Some standards, they come from environment. They come from the way that you were born, the way that you were raised. Let's say you grew up in an abusive household. Automatically, you know that you do not want someone that gets angry a lot, that gets frustrated easily, or that is abusive. You know automatically that is a no said, no shadow of a doubt. You don't want anyone like that. Okay? So that, that's your personal opinion. That's a standard. That's something that you've kind of had. Let's say your standard is that you see the way that your parents, you know, like, they take a month off from work just to spend time with each other, just to go on vacations and, you know, do nice stuff. That has become a standard for you. You want someone to also take their time off to come and spend time with you. You know what I'm saying? Or let's say you want someone that respects you a lot, more than you can ever ask for. Let's say you want someone that's super, super religious. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's certain characteristics, certain standards that every girl has. And... If you marry someone and you compromise in the talking stage, knowing that this person is not fulfilling your standard, what are you going to do? You're going to take those underlining standards out. You're going to throw them in the garbage. You're going to assume that my standards are too high. And you're going to start creating standards that are compromising his condition. That is compromising your spouse's condition. Your spouse is too busy. So you make your standard that, oh... 
It's okay if he's too busy. I understand. I'm just going to sit here and wait for him for the rest of my life till retirement for him to make time for me. Your standard is that you want someone that is very, very, very respectful, that doesn't get angry, that's very patient with you. But you see that this man is very hot-headed, so you, you take out that standard and you're like, oh, you know, I'm okay with someone that's hot-headed. We'll cool it off. We'll talk about it. Let's say you want someone that is very affectionate and you need reassurance constantly. The man that you end up marrying or the women, and you realize that this person that you end up being with has absolutely a hatred against reassurance, you're going to rip up that standard of reassurance out of you and you're going to think, oh, it's okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. Like, I'm okay with just being this person. I don't need no reassurance. I don't need to be told that I'm loved every single day. It's okay. You know, it's small, small things like these that really make or break a relationship. So don't do that. Don't take out your standards. And this is for my girls especially. You know, people, they always say that, oh, your standards are too high. You're asking for too much. This, this, and that. Let me tell you something. If you're asking for stuff materialistically, like you want a guy that's making like six figures, takes you shopping, go to Dubai every single weekend, you're out of your mind. That's, no, girl. You're going to get divorced really quickly. Get No, don't. Like, materialistically, that's all. Mm, I'm against all of that, okay? Materialistically, chill out. But emotionally, physically, and by your, you know, your spiritual needs and whatnot, don't compromise don't if you end up in a marriage where you have compromised on everything and listen 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 because i know someone's gonna hit up my dm and yell at me marriage is about compromising a thousand percent without a shadow of a doubt it is about compromising but it's about both of you compromising not one person compromising on absolutely everything and the other person just gets their way all the time because that's that's not you compromising that's you most literally being someone's servant and doing whatever they say the way that they wanted to. That's not that's not how it works. Marriage is about compromising on both ends, taking care on both ends. So there's nothing wrong with compromising. There's gonna be no marriage without compromising. Simple. But you shouldn't be the only person who's compromising twenty four seven. Because that way you're oppressing your needs. You're oppressing what you want. You're suppressing what you feel like is right to fulfill someone else's standard. And automatically this relation shows that you two are probably not meant for each other, okay? So don't take your little standards and throw them away and think that you're asking for too much. You're not. You just need to find the right person. Another thing I always hear is wrong person. No, no, no. Yeah, wrong time, right person. Listen, man, there's a time and this is what this is what you do with it. There's Qadr and Qadr is going to play out regardless. Me and you, our time and our wishes, it don't matter. We can make law, we can hope for the best, but Qadr is going to do what Qadr needs to do simple so this whole wrong person right timing thing i don't know how much of me really believes in that because then you're implying that god has made a mistake and i don't believe in that at all i believe that god there is as perfect as it could be i read this beautiful quote and it said that if you knew what allah had planned for you and you had your own dream life in front of you you would still pick what allah has planned for you because he's that loving loves you way more and his plans 10 times better and I think that says it all. So wrong per- wrong timing, right person. Don't know how I feel about that. Because when the timing is right and when the person is right, like no matter what happens, it's going to work. You know? Like I get it. There's, there's phases, there's situations in our life, you know, when someone might not be financially ready or they might be going through a condition or something may be the scenario. And you may really hit her off with this person. That person may be really, really good for you. But maybe the situation isn't good for you right now and I get that. But at the same time, there's really is no wrong timing. Because if that person's not ready, then they're just not ready. And that's just Qadr. That's it. 
we can't wait for everyone. Never let a man have to tell you twice he don't want you. I bet y'all have heard that before. Don't. Why? You know, there's certain women, they sit there and they're making excuses for the condition. Excuses for why he's not treating you as good as you deserve. Like, you know, financial situation is different. Like, if your man's really going through a hard time, whatever, spouse, whatever. I keep saying man because I'm a girl, but, you know, vice versa. You're going through a hard time financially. Obviously, this person cannot take you to a whole dang big honeymoon. And I don't know, Bora Bora, like, that's not going to happen, right? Y'all can't be going to some exotic island or wherever. It's not going to work. But as long as you guys are not, you know, compromising when it comes to emotional needs, it's okay. So... Be careful about what your standards are and who you are getting them out of because some people do not have the capacity to fulfill your standard. There's nothing wrong with that. This is not meant to be offensive. But there are certain things that I can do that someone else can't. Simple. So remember that and keep that in mind. That's very, very important. So don't ever let anyone tell you twice that they don't want you. If you see that someone doesn't have any interest in you, they don't care, they're treating you horribly, why are you staying? You need to respect yourself more. You need to value yourself more. God has given you so many rights. God loves you so much. Why are you being your own enemy? You know, one other thing that I really want to talk about on here is sabr. Everyone always says, oh, you know, have some sabr in marriage. Be patient. Be patient. And you should. You should. You should. But if you know that this dude's going out there, sleeping with prostitutes, and, you know, doing all this crazy crap, there's no reason for you to keep sober. This is not a matter of patience. This is a matter of moral. And your morals do not align with this person. So don't sit here and lie to yourself and let other people lie to you and say, oh, it's a matter of patience. This is, no, this is not that matter. This is a matter of morals. And if your morals are not aligning, out. Get out. Leave. Pack your bags. You're going to destroy yourself staying with someone like that. Leave. Leave. Don't ever let someone tell you twice that they don't want you. The first time was enough. We got it. Let's go. There's no buttaka in staying in a place where you're not even respected. You're going to get it. You're going to oppress yourself. Don't be your own oppressor. Don't be your future spouse's oppressor as well. We don't like that, okay? So I'm trying to think if I covered everything off the top of my head. But that's really all I could think and say on this, really. Be careful. Be careful. You know, when you fall in love with someone, you're so infatuated by the thought of this person. You feel like this person's the all and be all, perfect all. And if you know anything about psychology and science, you know, there's actually a lot of hormones that go into play of this. So when those hormones and all that situation dies out, then you realize who the person is and you're like, crap, I hate this person. So do not let your thoughts infatuate your brain and, you know, cloud you up and be like, oh my God, this is the perfect person. I've been, I've been waiting for this person. This is it. I, no, be reasonable. Islam does it the best way. I saw this beautiful video and I posted it on my Instagram a long time ago. It was from a man that was Christian and he talked about how dating works in Christianity. And what he said was very profound and he said, being a Christian, what happens is that you're told to get to know someone. You kind of get to know them, you play on the edge, you're kind of with them. And then you see a quality you don't like, you instantly pull out. And you continue to do that as many times as you want over and over, in and out, in and out, in and out. And then when time comes, you get married, you find the most perfect person ever. You're like, all right, I'm going to get married. When things go wrong, your first instinct is to pull out of the marriage because that is what you've been doing. You've been going in and out of situations, in and out of seeing whether someone's for you. So when you get married and you're like, this is my perfect person, one hardship comes along the way, your first reflex is to pull out because this is all you know how to do. So ask, ask yourself, is that better or is Islam better? Because in Islam, 
whenever it doesn't matter how many people you get to know, you're doing that in the presence of a third person, in the presence of a guardian, in the presence of accountability. Your heart is not going to be fully out there to get violated, to get attached. Your body's not going to be out there to get violated. Let's not act like this culture doesn't violate women's bodies. They do. Any moment they can get. Like, let's not act like rape and all this stuff isn't at its highest. It is. I met this girl messaged me talking about rape. And I've had quite a few people discuss this with me. This is not your fault. It was never your fault. So for you to blame yourself like this rape and this is your fault, it's not. Allah never ever told you that this was your fault. Society will call around and tell you that you're, it's your fault. You got raped. You did it. It's your fault. You wore this. You did that. No, it's not your fault. And I'm, I'm telling that because the amount of people that I've met, the girls that have told me this, it breaks my heart. Because their self-esteem is so low. Because they think that it's their fault. You're not responsible for the way that other people acted upon you. You are a lot more than that one situation. So much more. You can't limit yourself to it. You can't. You can't tell yourself that you're unlovable, unmarriable, whatever. That you're not deserving of love because of it. No, 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 no. Don't listen to culture on that. And that's another thing where I know I'm going to get dragged for talking about. People in culture, they don't like to talk about these topics. They find it like gross they're like oh it's weird it's taboo don't talk about it it's sad it's sad how people from the middle east view these things it's very sad but the problem is we don't talk about it and that's why things are not changing we don't speak up about this that's why things are not changing we continue to oppress our women that's why things are not changing we continue to tell women stay quiet while being abused and that's why things are not changing we continue to tell women that you can change them after marriage and that's why things are not changing that's why things are not changing that's why we have generations of depressed people. That's why we have generations of family trauma. Because we tell our women, we tell our people, shut up, you know, just take it in. He'll be fine after, he'll fix out. No, no, it's not your fault. It's not your job. You're not running a teaching institution. Pack up your stuff and let's go. We're getting out of here. We're not going to sit there anymore, okay? Actually, it's a profound story. And I don't know it word by word, but I'm going to give you all the basic gist about how back in the time, Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, you know, literally... Throughout war, when Aisha, may Allah be pleased with her, lost her necklace, everyone, he made everyone stop everything just to go find her necklace, just so she can get her necklace back. And you're sitting here upset over a guy that's not texting you back? You're sitting here upset over a guy that doesn't care about you, that's abusing you? Why are you letting yourself get disrespected like this? Raise the bar, queen. Raise the standard. We're not here to settle for less, especially when it comes to the emotional needs. So take care of yourself. Take care of your needs. Take care of your well-being. Take care of your standard. Nourish your standard. Nourish yourself. Become a good person. And to all my single people, a lot of people, they complain about being single. I'm single. Oh my God, I want to get married. Da, da, da. Work on yourself. The best gift that you can give to someone is a good you. So many people and teens, and I hate to say this, they get raised with the concept of, oh, you're going to get married one day. You're going to get married one day. You're going to get married one day. Learn how to cook good food because you're going to get married one day. Learn to get a good job because you're going to get married one day. Learn how to fix the house. Do like housework because you're going to get married one day. Girl, you ought to be your own sustainer. You, what about you? Are you not going to take care of yourself? Take care of yourself. Take care of your standard. Take care of your condition. This ain't a gamble. We're not here to play.
Your body, your heart, your emotion, your moral compass, this is not up here on a sale at a bazaar, all right? Stop thinking that it's your job to fix everyone. It's not. Your job is to be the best you and that's it. Do not let society tell you that you're not worth of anything, all right? You know, you're used up, you're bad, you're this, you're that. What does that mean? Look at what our Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, used to do. Are those women? Astaghfirullah, forgive me, but those are the most honorable women. They're so honorable. May Allah be pleased with all of them. May Allah make us all like them. We don't have anything bad to ever say about them. Because they're amazing people. They're amazing people. So how dare you sit here and insult the Sunnah and insult, you know, these females and insult the way that Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, went about his marriages by thinking that you're on a high horse and that you wouldn't ever do that. You wouldn't ever marry someone that's divorced. You would never marry someone that, that you know, is not a virgin. Why? It's something to think about. Think about it. Think about these things. Falling in love is great. Love is great. It's marriage is promoted in Islam. Not against it. But you have got to take marriage and separate it from your culture. A marriage that respects, that values, that follows Islam is going to be the most successful one. So look in the deen. Look at how they are with their relationship with God. Be honest. Be halal about it all. Because that's the only way things are going to work out right. Promise you. Promise. That's the only way. And if you're in a haram relationship right now listening to this, reevaluate yourself. Are you really hurting yourself? Are you really making yourself happy? Or are you really just sitting here oppressing yourself from the good rights that God has given you? Do not be scared to get up and ask for what you deserve and what God has told you that you should deserve. I love all of you guys. If you guys need anything, reach out to me on Instagram. DM me. I'm literally answering all of you guys. Please be patient. I know that I'm a little bit slow at it. Join my Discord. It's a girls-only Discord. We are having amazing discussions up in there. I love all of you. May Allah keep you all so, so happy. Asalaamu Alaikum.